The question is, where is their backup? Where is their system for a contingency? What is the issue? First and foremost, I hear people on the line mumbling that it's because they can't find people to work. Really? You want to believe that narrative? I know it's an easy go-to, okay? And it's one that a lot of people use. But here's a tip. If you have a company whose success depends on people to deliver the product or service, that can't be your excuse. And by the way, are there any products or services that don't rely on people to deliver them yet? entrepreneur or business owner that can't seem to figure out what is blocking you from attaining the next level of growth in your business, then listen up. I'm Maria De Lorenzis Reyes. I've taken what I've learned in 30 years working inside multi-million dollar corporations, building my own business and consulting my clients and discovered five themes that stop a business from scaling. I've created a tool to help you get the answers you need to get unstuck and unlock the next level of growth. Head over to scale.mariadr.com and click the link to get your custom Scale Factor Formula scorecard when this episode is over. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Finding the Upside, the podcast where we talk about navigating all the messy things that life and business can bring and how to come out on the other side with a lesson to find the Upside. I'm Maria De Lorenzis Reyes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, if you know me, you know that my background includes a lot of history working on building predictable customer outcomes, whether that's in my own business, my own clients, for corporations I worked for, during those posts with our customers, or helping my clients in their companies build those predictable customer outcomes for their customers. That's always focused on delivering the product and service that is expected. So when I thought about talking about this today, I really wanted to do it from a place of relatability and my own experience doing that. And predictable customer outcomes, yes, it's a very necessary practice in business to be focused on that. And I really wanted to highlight some of the ways to do that, but also some of the missteps and some of the gaps that a lot of companies kind of miss the boat on. But I wanted to talk about it from a place where it could be relatable to all of you. And my first thought for this episode, because it relates to my early years in my job history, My first thought for the title was what working in restaurants taught me about operations and customer service. Now, I bet you want to know why that was my first thought to label or title this episode. So let's dive in and let me explain it. I recently listened to an interview of Jamie Kern Lima on the Mel Robbins podcast, where Jamie was sharing her journey. And, you know, I've heard her speak at live events before. Um, and have her tell her story. 
which by the way is amazing, her story and her journey. But on this particular episode, she and Mel were talking about their experience working in retail or in restaurants. And really, this is relatable to any kind of service job. They both said this, and I agree, uh, because I have one or two of those type of jobs in my work history, how doing those type of service jobs, particularly in retail and, res- and or restaurants, how doing that gives you the understanding of how it feels to be treated like crap. Yeah, I know. This is sometimes also, though, a blind spot for people who have never done that kind of work. Because having those experiences and working in those jobs allows you to have the perspective to understand that everyone in those jobs can often be seen as invisible in those types of service jobs. And it reminds you, having had that experience, that everyone deserves to be treated with kindness and grace and be given grace. And so the takeaway was really no matter what role you serve in to bring that sense of service, whether you are in a service job or not, to bring that sense of service to all is an important perspective that is really necessary in any type of servicing customers or delivering a service or product to customers. But it is also truly part of the path of all empathetic leaders and people who truly connect, I mean truly connect, and are able to serve and serve in a way that brings that level of service or that sense of service, no matter what role they're in. And so that was kind of an interesting discussion and it made me reflect on my own experience and how I've brought that perspective and that understanding to everything with regard to building this predictable outcome to satisfy the customers and the people that we are serving. And even as a leader, to our staff. One of the things I think that was an important part in this conversation and why I wanted to highlight this is that even in working in a job that you hate, bringing a spirit of service to it and having that sense of service and kindness can really transform the dynamic in any interaction. And what I mean is, Jamie was sharing about when she talked about her working as a waitress at Denny's and how the kitchen was a disaster. And because of that, she learned how to talk to people. So if the kitchen was behind, talking to people and kind of being friendly and kind and striking up those conversations can help to kind of appease people to not realize how long the food is taking or to help them be okay with how long the food is taking. And even so, a lot of times, even though she learned how to work the room, so to speak, people left. They walked out because the kitchen didn't, you know, deliver their food uh, appropriately or they didn't do it fast enough. Or sometimes people left her a dime for a tip or a penny because they blamed her, even though it truly wasn't all her fault. Many times people in those service jobs 
can take the blame and get blamed. What it taught her, she said, was learning that, boy, if I'm in business, I got to get the operations right. And if you own your own business, you've got to know that that's paramount. So what I mean is in the kitchen, right? If they're off, everything falls away. And that's many times why service people end up getting the blame. There's many things that happen that cause that to fall down. And sometimes somebody can give you bad service, but a lot of times it is something before that, something that's deeper. And so in talking about this, I preach this all the time in the scale factor formula, which is a program that I created. One of the scale factors is systems, innovating your systems, which, which is operations. And so many times that's the failure that I see sometimes with clients that I'm working with many times I am called in to help fix problems with customers or with staff, things that are not working. And often the systems are either not there or they've been created in a way where they aren't practiced and followed and optimized to create a predictable result. So that's what operations should do. And one of the things that is so tough for me as a consumer is when I go places and things are not right, the outcomes, you know, like as a customer, whether that's at a restaurant or a rental car company or a store or even a business to business situation where it's a vendor that I'm dealing with and trying to get support for a product or a service and struggling to do that. When the operations aren't right, it is glaring and so apparent to me what the issue is. But particularly where it's really apparent is when I'm standing there watching it unfold. I'm gonna give you an example, like at the airport, there's a rental car place in this one airport in a city that I travel to frequently where there is always a line an hour long. Now, yeah, you could be a gold member or whatever, but many times my reservations for a car happen last minute. So I'm standing there and I've already kind of thought, you know, four different ideas of how we can avoid this hour long line. We're inching along as the line moves forward and like we're helping one customer every 35 minutes. And I'm thinking like, really, what is the freaking problem? Now, I know it is not the fault of the agent, but they are the ones that are getting blamed by everyone else on the line. And it's usually everyone else because they're not really seeing it from my perspective and have the insight to what might be happening. There's two agents with a huge long line, which by the way, I've already mentioned is for three different rental car companies, same desk, same service desk. That's the first thing. Okay. There's only two agents and a huge long line. But the question is, where is their backup? Where is their system for a contingency? What is the issue? First and foremost, I hear people on the line mumbling that it's because they can't find people to work. Really? 
you want to believe that narrative, I know it's an easy go-to, okay? And it's one that a lot of people use. But here's a tip. If you have a company whose success depends on people to deliver the product or service, that can't be your excuse. And by the way, are there any products or services that don't rely on people to deliver them yet? So as I said, this is an excuse. It's a common one that's out there these days. Oh, you can't find people to work. Nobody wants to work. If you depend on people to deliver your product and service, that cannot be your excuse, no matter what the conditions are. And that is not the reason. It is an excuse. There are bigger problems that are causing this issue, and it ain't a lack of workers. To say it's that, Lack of workers, that's a symptom, not the root cause. The root cause is a deeper problem in the organization. Okay, I said it, told you, real talk here. So when I finally got up to the counter, you know, I asked, and she bravely said, yeah, I'm sorry about the wait, which of course is the first step of customer service. Even though it's not her fault, it's always necessary to apologize for failure of service. And she said, it's the cleaners. The cleaners are not moving fast enough. They're not cleaning the cars fast enough and we can't rotate them to then get them assigned to a new renter. So I stood there as an outsider going, wow. Okay, get more cleaners. In my mind, that's the number one solution, right? Again, If you want to go back to the crutch and the excuse, can't find workers, you better figure it out. But number two, this was the other thing. If two agents are backed up with an hour line, why isn't there someone else to call for help? There's got to be a manager that they could call. And if not, then that falls back on the issue of their system that handles scheduling and hiring to make sure that there are enough people that could cover. Now listen, I get it. As a business owner myself and a strategist for my clients, you don't want agents all standing around if they're not busy. But there should be a contingency plan or there should be a backup plan. Contingencies are what ifs. Kind of like what happens if we all of a sudden get really busy. I don't know if all of you have gone to a Trader Joe's. But at Trader Joe's, they're known for this. It's actually part of their culture. So much so that it's advertised for all employees and customers. It's the three bell system. If you walk into their store, you will look up on the wall and you will see an explanation of the three bell system. Here's an example of how it works. If there are more than one or two, at worst, people deep at a register, at a customer waiting to be checked out, Somebody rings that bell, and I don't remember which one it is, one bell, two bells, or three bells, but they open another register to feed the line elsewhere and move people along. It's really simple, right? Now, that doesn't mean that they have all these people on deck as cashiers just ready to ring people up. No. Someone gets called off the floor momentarily or called out of the back Maybe they're stocking or taking an inventory. 
momentarily to help with the flow and manage the flow. It's pretty simple. And it's the principle of teamwork. Now, in terms of learning uh, my path and learning to get the operations right, witnessing companies I work for and restaurants are a great example to bring forward. Like Jamie and Mel, I worked in restaurants in my college days. In one of the big chain restaurants at the time, which was Bennigan's, I was service quality control. That was my role. And what this role was, it was my job to stand in the kitchen on the other side of the line as the food came out. And I had to check to make sure that the cooks got it all right in the setup and in the prep as it was supposed to look and was it following our standards and the customer's order. Maybe they ordered no tomato, no lettuce. Maybe they ordered or substituted a side. When the food came out, before the waitress or waiter even picked it up, it was my job to make sure it looked the way it was supposed to, had the side that went with it, and had the setup and or any special order details. And had all of that checked before it even got to the customer. Actually, before it even got to the waitress or waiter. And if it didn't, it got pushed back over to the line to fix it before the waitress or waiter had even come to pick it up, had even been signaled that it was ready to be picked up. Now, I don't know if that exists anymore, that role. I don't even think Bennigan's exists anymore. But that was a really important and essential part of operations that created a system for predictable outcomes. And this is what I'm talking about. Predictable outcomes are the same experience up to our standards every single time. This particular role, it didn't rely on the waitress or waiter checking to make sure that the food was right. Now, you could argue that that's another check and probably should be one. And good waiters and waitresses will do that. They'll give it another check. But that was an investment. That one investment in QA, quality assurance, that person that stood there and made sure the food was right, wow, what a difference that made. And so that investment, that setup, that system for the operations, and also in training, in that company for a franchise, that's pretty common. Franchise operations do have a major operation and standard of expectation set up that then all franchisees get trained on and are obligated to carry out so that it's the same no matter where somebody's going. Doherty Enterprises is a company here that I've worked with, and they own tons of franchise restaurants uh, in my area. Applebee's, Panarin, things like that, lots of chains like that. And they have detailed standards that ensure predictable outcomes, which is the first step. There's more to it than this, but the first step is detailed stand standards in their operations. So Applebee's, for example, I did some training there and it really was impressive to see it all working. Oh my God, when I would work there and see their kitchen and their operations, their systems, their manual to make one dish, all the steps and detail, the question is why? 
to have all that detail and all those steps laid out because it is what needs to happen to guarantee a predictable result. And these companies have invested in that. Now, here's the thing. I said the first step is the detailed standards and the documentation, but it doesn't stop just at a manual. It has to be followed through and there have to be people that train on that and support it to make sure and ensure that it's happening from the first day all through the week and every week and month and year after that. Not just at the opening, not just on good days, not just when they're fully staffed, all the time. I've seen behind the scenes what should happen and the setup is really good. And I think a lot of companies, for a lot of companies, that's another place where they falter is that they have all the rigor and the structure with the manual, the operations manual, the step-by-step or whatever, the process that should be followed. But is it being implemented? Is it being monitored? Is it being supported to ensure that it's being followed? Customer service and operations are such an integral part of a business's success. They are something that requires a full commitment continuous improvement, and they're not one-dimensional. They need to be part of a larger strategy that is adopted and thread throughout the entire organization. If you want to find out more about innovating systems and optimizing your operations, go to the link in the show notes for more information about the Scale Factor Formula program that I created. I talk at great length about this and It's one that I am passionate about, and I know that companies that invest in this will absolutely see a return on investment if they're committed to it. That's all for now, my friends. Stay tuned for another episode soon on Mastering Optimal Operations for Customer Service Excellence. See you next time on the next episode of... So I hope you loved this episode and found it valuable. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you'd be so kind, if you know someone else that this will help, please share this episode with them. Just grab a link for this specific episode, text it to a friend or colleague so it can help more people like you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next time for more entrepreneurial goodness. Same time, same place on the Finding the Upside podcast.